All right, so Pastor Curtis, he, once he found out that Chris couldn't make it today, he was, he was like, hey, we need someone to speak. And I was like, hey, I got something that God's really been placing on my heart. He really placed this message on my heart a couple of years ago. But then you know funny how thing it is, how funny it is with God and what he does. He does sometimes he doesn't just take this one message, it's something he gives to you, and it's just for that one moment. Sometimes he can bring it right back up in your life and you listen to it or see it and you're like, Oh yeah. <laughs> but this one has really been really impactful in my life right now and it's really timely and it's really motivating me and, and it's just carried into this new year and kind of jump starting my year and it's got me thinking about a lot of things and with new goals. Um, we're going to be in Daniel today. Uh, Daniel is always a great book to go to. Uh, we really can spend a lot of time in Daniel because that's all I've really been reading right now. And every chapter is just gold. Um, but we're just going to be in chapter 1 today. Uh, but really to kick off the message, uh, I'm going to just kind of tell a story about myself. And it's kind of a, a really embarrassing moment uh, for me right out of high school. I, got, I landed a good job at Atmos Energy in Hereford because my dad knew the, knew the guy there. He did a lot of work for him, and I'm 18-year-old, and my wife, my girlfriend at the time, was pregnant, so I needed a job and support her, needed some insurance. And so I got on with Atmos, but I was part of the crew. Um, I can't remember the name, what our name was, but basically all we did was drive around with a back, pulling a backhoe and going and fixing leaks in alleys. And that was pretty much my day-to-day -day job. Um, I'm the only white guy on there. I mean, I didn't speak any Eng um, Spanish, and so, and they were trying to learn English for me. And so it, it was a very hard time for me. It was very difficult. It was eye-opening for me. And, uh, and so, but there's one day, uh, we're in an alley, and so these gas lines, they're like six feet underneath the, six to eight feet underneath the, the ground, underneath the dirt. So one guy's in the backhoe, and he's digging it out, trying to find the leak, you know, because it's marked. And my job is to be right here and watching the dirt and finding all the stuff to locate the pipe and the leak. And so then we'd find the leak and then we'd dig out whole, big old trench area so that we can get down in there, weld these caps on it, block off the gas and change that pipe out, um, put in some new PVC pipe. And uh, so we're down there and of course I wasn't able to do the welding. I was the spot guy checking for if there was a spark fire you know, I had all the stuff I needed for just in case. And then all of a sudden, it was my very first time, and all of a sudden a fire caught. And, dude, I tell you, this flame, it bursted like 10 feet in the air. I mean, it was, I was like, it scared me. Now, I might be exaggerating about the 10 feet. It might have been only been about a foot. But to me, for my first time, it really felt like 10 feet. And it scared the dog out of me. <laughs> And Jesus walked on water, but dude, I was like hovering over the ground because this, the dirt, I mean, it's like we're six to seven feet underneath the ground. It's just straight up. And I was up out of the hole within a second, halfway down the alley, running for my life because <laughs> I was so scared because this gas line is on fire. And I'm not going to be in a hole yet anywhere near this explosion. And then all of a sudden it hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Well, what's going to happen? They're going to call Atmos. I'm Atmos. I got to go back. We're the guy to turn it off. And then I was like, well, I had all this, like, fire extinguisher and all this other stuff. And I go back, and I had to do the walk of shame because the guy that was welding, he saw it, and he just turned around, just put his hand over it, and it went out. And he was like, where's Brett? <laughs> He's halfway down the alley. 
So I'm coming back, and he's just sitting there laughing at me and saying stuff I didn't understand. And, <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, dude. That was my first time. <laughs> and But scared the dog out of me, and I just took off running. Even though I had the tools, um, everything I needed to do to put out the fire. And so that's really the idea that I'm going here is. I see way too many of us as Christians, uh, far too often we are people who are running away from things, even though we have the power to overcome it. John, 1 John 4.4, 4, we'll touch this scripture again here in a little bit, but it says, You belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. You know, we are taking our overwhelming circumstances as our identity, surrendering our birthright in Christ to the enemy instead of claiming what is ours. Does that make sense? We are taking our circumstances of our job, of our marriage, of our children, with our friends, whatever it is, whatever it is that you're going through right now, we'll maybe think of something that you're really struggling in. And what we not, might not realize is we're letting our circumstances become our identity. And our circumstances and the things that we're learning and through by culture and being shaped, it's in trying to enslave us. Our circumstances are enslaving us to an identity that's really not our identity. And we've got to learn to start breaking from that. Even though that you're going through this, that doesn't mean you have to be a slave to it. Uh, some of you might be, some have set new goals for the new year. Let me ask you, how are those goals going? How's it going so far? I know it's always the first few weeks, and things are going good, and then one thing happens, and we can hit a wall. Have you hit your wall yet? Has life circumstances not been as what you had thought for this new goal and now maybe you just kind of stop coming back. Uh, far too often, me and Curtis were in this conversation just, I think it was yesterday and last week, we were talking about this, how, um, you know, we feel like there, we hit this wall right in front of us and we don't know what to do. We want to go around, but we don't, go, we, don't, we don't know if we need to go right or go left or if we just need to climb over the wall. But I told him, I was like, you know, I really feel the wall's not in front of us. I kind of feel like the wall's behind us and we're backed up against it and there's chains and there's locks on this wall. And every day, Jesus was holding the key to that chain and he unlocks it and it comes off and we have a good worship, good uh, quiet time that night, that morning, and we feel like things are really going to go well today. And then you get to work and you get to your circumstances and then we, we just bend down and get those chains and just put them back on ourselves. And God opened up the door. He said, hey, dude, the wall's removed. It's behind you. You can go. But because of what we see or maybe what's going on, we're fear, we're enslaved, we just put them back on. And the next morning, Jesus is thinking, man, let's take these off again. And we might get to work and be positive, and one, then that phone call or that message comes through or something, um, put this back on. I really feel like the chains are off. So in Daniel 1, I really love it. Daniel went. He goes from royalty to slave. He goes from on top of the world to scum of the earth. The guy was sending prophet after prophet after prophet to God's people and saying, you guys, you, need, you think you're the top notch. And you can be, but you've turned, you've, your eyes have shifted from me and into you. You need to repent. You need to change your ways. 
you think you're bad because you're God's people, but there's a dude, another king over here that's plotting to come take you out. And guess what? He's going to do it if you don't repent. And then, and then Daniel gets wrapped up in that. And then he gets dragged all the way across the desert to go in slavery. I mean, one day he's royalty. One day he's a slave. One day he's on top. The next day he's scum of the earth. I mean, I, I feel sometimes we find ourselves that way. I mean, I do. There's times, I man, I'm like, hey, I'm conquering the world right now. I'm, I'm, man, I'm nailing it. I'm getting things done. And then the next week, I'm just like, I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm crawling. I'm wounded. I'm not on top of the world anymore. And Daniel, he gets taken because by the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar, he comes and he gets everybody and takes them. But then this is what he says in the first couple of verses in Daniel 1. Um, he says, hey, I need you to, let's go find four guys. Four guys that are young, who are smart, um, who are well off. And we're going to bring them here. And we're going to train them up. We're going to teach them our language. We're going to give them new clothes. So that eventually in three years, they can serve in the palace. They can basically serve me. Daniel and the other three were chosen to go serve at the king's palace. So we'll pick up in Daniel 1, verses 5. In verse 5. The king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were, in, they want, they were to be educated for three years, and at the end of that time, they were to spend, uh, stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, and Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the Enochs gave them names. Daniel he called Belteshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, uh, Mishael he called uh, Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego, but Daniel. Okay, but here we need to stop first, just stay in these, because really, <laughs> this is huge. I mean, just a few verses into chapter 1, and we hear Daniel, like I said, up here, now he's here, giving new names, and then he makes a point. And we gotta, we gotta really make, a, have some, spend some time there. Like I said, Daniel went from here, then to here, and then guess what? His circumstances wanted to change his identity. They wanted to change his name. And I used to say, you know, back in the day, during this time, your name, their names was their everything to them. If their name was changed, that was huge. It was their reputation. And now I'm thinking, you know, how things, they come and go, and you know, like this, uh, kind of like our clothes and culture and everything, it just repeats itself. Well, I feel like right now with social media, our names are the same as it is, as important as it is then as it is now. Because you can say one thing on social media and your name is blasted. <laughs> I mean, seeing it over and over, like, I saw this one story of this young man was at this protest and of course he gets snapped and the face is recognized through social media and that's crazy and uh, his dad sees it and his dad sends him a letter in the mail says get your act together because until then you're not welcome back to this house I mean because his face is recognized and his name was plastered on social media our names are huge right now so if we get a name change that's our life so Daniel and the other three, they, they were given new names. A name that would enslave them. 
because Daniel means God is my judge. The Babylonian name that they gave Daniel means Baal saves or Baal saves my life. But right after that, in verse 8, as it kicks off, it says, but Daniel. What I love about this is Daniel doesn't take on the name of his circumstances. He doesn't take on the name that was spoken over him, that was given to him. He stands in the name that who God gave him, the identity that God gave him, and not of what the world is trying to uh, shape and influence him. I mean, we see celebrities and we see the football players, and all they want us to do is to ultimately worship them. And we've got to change our ways to fit in. We've got to change everything about who we are to fit in. And all too often, especially in the college and the youth, I see it every day. They're changing everything about who they are just so they can fit in. And they'll change their name, their identity, to be accepted. But here, Daniel doesn't. The cha- this chapter isn't Belshazzar or whatever, however you say it. It's Daniel. Right after he's given it, it says, but Daniel. He does not take the slave name. And we need to step out of the identity of our slavery and step into the identity of our slavery. So, the point one I want to make is we need to make sure that we own it. Hebrews 12.2 says this, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, also underlined the joy I also in the scripture I underlined it underlined despising the shame. He the cross was punishment, but yet despise and it's to stand up there to be hung on the cross naked is so shameful. But yet Jesus knew that this is what he had to do. He endured it for each and every one of us. He was betrayed by one of his close friends, but yet he still came to this earth to do that for us, to give us an identity. To give us a new man, a new, a new heart, a new self. But yet, we almost will deny that new identity for just something for the, in the moment. We have to own what God had gave you. What is your, what's your testimony? What's happened at the very beginning? we got to make sure we remember that and own it. One of, I have, one of the major le- lessons we need to learn as followers of Jesus is to refuse to identify ourselves by who we used to be or what we happen to be going through right now. All right, so we're going to go ahead and continue to read in verse 8 through 9. But Daniel resolved, he was determined, that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the Enoch to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the Enoch's. Okay, this is what I like at, the very, at verse 8. Daniel, but Daniel, remember, but Daniel was resolved. He was determined. His mind was made up that he was not going, he was going to stand up for what he believed. And what's really cool about verse 8 is this. Not until verse 9, but in verse 8. Before verse 9, verse 8, Daniel's made up his mind. I don't remember anything up to verse 9 of 
God going to Daniel and saying, hey, Daniel, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a secret. I'm going to inform you about what's about to come. Okay. King Nebuchadnezzar, his army's going to come, and he's going to wipe you all out. And then he's going to choose you and three others to be drugged across the desert to become a slave. And, you, and they want you to do all this. They're going to try to change your name. They're going to feed you this food, give you all this stuff. But don't worry. I'll be with you. In the end, I will give you authority. Okay? Just keep your eyes focused on me. All will be good. I don't remember reading that. I don't remember hearing it. If it is, that's great. I don't know. But for as far as I know, God didn't come to him. He sent him a prophet, sent him an angel, say, hey, some stuff's about to come. Be ready. So many times we have a circumstance where we're like, God, can you show me the way out? God, are you still there? Instead, Daniel, he remembers who he is and his identity. And when his circumstances come, when life is not what he wants, he's standing, in, he's standing against it and saying, I'm going to push this way. He, he might have not even heard a word from God, but he's still standing on the faith for what he first heard and said, even though I haven't heard anything recent right now, I'm going to stand firm in God and believe in that he is with me. So I like God. As, he's a right now God. He's not back then God, oh, he's Old Testament, or he, I don't know, he's not really speaking anymore, oh, whatever. And he's not, only when, only when I get my life together will God speak to me. Only whenever I become more righteous, or only whenever I go to church, or whenever I worship. Daniel wasn't in a place to go to church or worship, because God is right now, what's the scripture? It says, uh, John five seventeen. Jesus says, my father is always at work, and so am I. Jesus is always at work in our lives. And Daniel knew that. So he didn't have to, all of a sudden, these Enochs were coming saying, hey, we, we want to give you this food. You need to eat this. We're changing your name. You put on this new clothing. Daniel would be like, hold on, hold on. Let me go pray. Let me go call my pastor, ask him to pray for me, and get a vision on what I'm supposed to do here. If I'm actually supposed to do this, or if I'm supposed to stand against you. No. Daniel's like, dude, <laughs> I ain't doing it. This is not who I'm supposed to be. This is not my identity. This is not the way I live my life. I'm, chose to be, I'm told to be different, and I'm going to be different. I love that. So uh, point, uh, point number two is stand firm in who you are. To stand firm in who you are. Back to 1 John 4, 4 verse 4, when we said at the very beginning, you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. Daniel's walk through his overwhelming circumstances to victory began with a decision about what he believed about God. Daniel refused uh, to allow his circumstances to shape his belief system, but rather allow his belief system to help him overcome his circumstances. I'm just going to say that one more time. Daniel refused to allow his circumstances to shape his belief system, but rather allowed his belief system to help him overcome his circumstances. All right, we're going to keep on going. Verse 10 through 16. And the chief of the Enoch said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and your drink, for why should he see that you were um, in worse condition than the youths who are um, of your own age, so you would endanger my head with the king. Then Daniel said to this, uh, the steward whom the chief of the Enochs had assigned over Daniel, 
Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Test your servants for ten days. Let's be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and uh, and let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you. And deal with your servants according to what you see. Uh, so he listened to them in this manner and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than the, all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away the food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. Anytime you make up your mind that God is able, that God is bigger, the world is going to put pressure on you to compromise. To compromise. I mean, think about your job right now. Has there been times recently where it might not be going the way you want, and maybe your boss or maybe your employees or whatever it is that's going on is trying to get you to pull back a little bit, to become settled into what it is that the flow that they're working or to what they believe in or to go hang out at the water a fountain and this to talk or in the break room or whatever. And you've been fighting, you've been fighting, you've been fighting, but then you're like, ah, it's not worth it. We're, I'm going to compromise. I mean, another big one is uh, with your marriage. Um, I mean, you ask, have you ever, is there another lady that works at your job that y'all talk and find yourself it's a lot easier to talk to this lady at work? She's a lot easier to talk to than <laughs> the ball and chain at home. I mean, I, this, this one's real nice. She listens and not telling me to go do something. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we get this pressure to compromise. You know what? Things will probably be a lot better if I just come over here. When actually, no, you just need to go back home and <laughs> take care of business. But are you going to compromise? As it, is it messing with your head? We cannot flirt with compromising. When Daniel decided that he wasn't going to budge, the world pushed back. What did the servant do? He's like, no, I'm not going to eat this food. Sorry. It defiles everything I believe. Because you know that, you know, the Babylonians, they worship many gods. And the food that was served in the royal place, first it was sacrificed to their gods and then given to the king. So if Daniel and the other three were to eat this food uh, that was given to him, he would be publicly saying, I worship Baal. I no longer am going to worship my God. I am publicly saying, I am now this. So he's like, dude, I ain't going to do it. And then the servant's like, hey, bro, let me tell you what. Yeah, you are going to eat it because if you don't eat it, I'm going to lose my head, and I'm not going to lose my head over you. Daniel's in a tough spot. But yet he still says, sorry, dude, it ain't going to happen <laughs> because I know who I am. Daniel stood firm in his convictions and refused to compromise. Yet God didn't deliver him from his circumstance. Instead, God delivered him through his circumstances. So point number three is live, we got to live out our life. Because the same God who delivered Daniel can do the same thing for you. You got to expect, hey, there's going to be pressure, but you're going to have to live it out. And God might not remove you from that circumstances. Oh, my goodness, man. I tell you, for years, I prayed to be removed from a certain job because I hated it. And I mean, God, I, mean, I was doing the whole, God had changed my life and 
I mean, I would have loved going to ministry at that time, but I was like, you know, whatever. But God, I just, I don't want to be here anymore. I've tried to minister to these men, and they are refusing everything of who I am. They don't talk to me no more. My boss has said some stuff in front of everyone about me, and it's just a bad place. I'm trying. I'm still praying for them. I was, I would say, I, I can honestly say I was praying for every one of them. But man, I was not budging. And God didn't, he wasn't removing me. I was there for a long time after that, those beginning prayers. And I'll tell you what, before I left, I almost got to pray for nearly every one of those guys I worked with. So God didn't deliver me, but he delivered me through my circumstances. And whenever I ended, I ended really well. I was able to go back and see those guys anytime. I see them in public and I can go and hug, give them a hug. So God will deliver you through your circumstances. I'd like to end with the scripture, John 16, 30, 31. Everybody knows this scripture. It's used all over. I mean, every Sunday, every on every Facebook page, if you use social media, if you go through, you'll run across it. In the world, you will have tri- uh, tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I mean, this is good. Okay, I'm kind of overplaying it a little bit, but I'm just saying, yeah, this is good, but you know this. You, it's lost its punch. Sometimes it can lose its punch. You read it, and you just kind of breeze through it. You have it. Everyone, you try. You probably didn't even try to memorize it, but yet you've memorized it. So you can say you have some scripture memorized because you know exactly how to read that. But I feel like sometimes we forget what it says just before then. Jesus has this huge, long sermon, and then he ends with this, In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I will come. But right before that, the same verse, it says in John 16, 31. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. So in this world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is huge. I think this, to me, this is a big thing that's being missed. And I feel like what Jesus is saying, he's like, hey dude, in me you will have peace. Yes, there will be tribulation. Yes, you will face obstacles, circumstances, the culture, the world around you is going to try to change your identity. They're going to, he's going to, they're going to try and enslave you. But if you keep your eyes focused on me, son, you're going to have some peace. It's going to be all right. You'll have peace. And I'm thankful now for God just really giving me a testimony uh, of really being able to experience what it means, peace through chaos. Um, I think you know, most of you know that I had the opportunity to give, um, you know, deliver my little scarlet at home. But let me tell you, like, that was not a peaceful situation. <laughs> Even leading up before it. I mean, Andrew knows. <laughs> he did the same thing. <laughs> but we were, like, taking this class just to learn about delivery the delivery room and that's what my mindset was going in I was going to learn a lot of stuff about delivery and uh, doing it a little bit different and doing maybe more of a natural and being able to know the terminology and talking to the doctors about things and they talked about home birth but I was like hmm, sorry uh, not going to do that one and then at 32 weeks we go talk to our doctor and say hey our goal is to have this happen totally freaked him out and he thought we were like 
we know more than him and that we're questioning everything that he does and that was not the case and he canceled our care at 32 weeks and my wife started calling all these other doctors and they would not take her and so basically when my wife was ready to deliver she just had to go to the emergency room and whoever doctors on call would deliver our child and dude that was super stressful and I was like what? I thought I was supposed to get smarter as I get older I don't feel very smart right now uh, and then my wife comes with me she's like hey I had a dream last night I had a dream that we were at home and doing a home birth and between every contractions we had worship music playing in the background and we were worshiping I was like ooh um, Jesus you're going to have to speak because uh, you're going to give me a vision because I'm not feeling that at all <laughs> and I'll tell you what I didn't have a vision I didn't really hear anything but what was evident to me was I had peace about it every time Ken after that started bringing it up I wasn't getting anxious anymore I when we people were like we had plenty of people giving their input about it but I, it didn't bother me and whenever we made the decision and got the pull and Andrew gave me he let borrows this pull and we got all this other stuff and medical stuff that we needed to get and cleaning stuff and made a box and get things ready I was at peace and then the day Kendra's like it's time I was like all right, let me start filling up this darn pool thing here. <laughs> this might take a bit. I had peace. My parents were in the room watching our little ones, other ones, other two children. And I love their testimony afterwards. They said uh, they've never felt the presence of the Holy Spirit so strong than that moment in our house. Um, and they, they were really scared, but all of a sudden peace came over them. So that's really what my testimony of what peace through the storm looks like. I don't know all the answers, and I don't know how this is going to look, but I have a piece about it. I'm going to stand firm in this because God spoke it, so I'm going to own it. So are you stressed out? Or are you overwhelmed? Good. Keep going. Because if you keep reading in Daniel, Daniel actually is given authority, and, is, and even the king bows down before God. You might be looking at your circumstances all wrong. He is pushing you to actually reach someone else. I feel like Daniel's the guy was chosen because he, he God knew he would stand firm. And actually, he was trying to reach the king Nebuchadnezzar and make an impact for him. All right, so we're going to do table discussion. These might seem a little different and off topic. First one is, what's one of the biggest choices you ever made in your life? Why was that big for you? Number two, what are some things you wish you could change about your life? So what is one thing you're going to stop doing today and one thing you're going to start doing to keep you from being a slave to your circumstances. That's how I pray. God, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for this, all these men here. Uh, Lord, I just pray that when they go to work, that they don't look at their circumstances as something that's going to enslave them or, or keep them back from doing what it is that you've called them to do. Lord, I pray they stand firm and own it, and they, they just live it out, Father. Uh, Lord, I pray that they see that the wall's behind them and they're no longer chained to it, that you're just calling them to live a life, a full life in you, Jesus. Lord, may they be blessed today in their work. It's in your name we pray. Amen.